And welcome to Corruption of Child Protective Services. I am your host, David Shore. With the film festival coming up, Action Film Festival is currently going on in the Liftoff Global Network First Time Filmmakers Film Festival, which you can vote if you go to the Liftoff Global Network First Time Filmmakers Film Festival September Session 2020. My documentary, Families Destroyed, will be in Program 5. It is the number 68 on the list. Please, if you would, the cost of this whole film festival online is $15. But for that $15, you can see all 100 movies. These are for independent filmmakers, such as myself. But Families Destroyed helps people such as yourselves. Let your voice be heard. Let this documentary be a springboard for you. But what I want to talk about now is from the Marsh Law Firm's Child Law Blog. Now, I know you hear a lot of noise. It's like for some reason... There are people that just love to make a lot of noise. And it's okay. But the blog is Legal Immunity for CPS Workers Who Lie. This is from Daniel Polak, P-O-L-L-A-C-K. This is from August 5th, 2009. Now, this is about 11th Amendment Qualified Immunity. I'm going to read it. The critics and plaintiffs' attorneys are out there. They see with frustration in their assertion that there are child protection workers who are as dysfunctional and flawed as some of the abusive and neglectful parents they investigate. They feel mistreated, ambushed, without recourse to a neutral oversight authority, and fume that the courts will believe the word of child protection workers over their clients. So far, does that sound familiar? And yet, when there is a credible allegation that a child protection worker has knowingly made misleading or false statements, which resulted in the wrongful removal of a child, the criticism and anger seem justified. Such misrepresentations may involve highly contested issues of material fact that more properly should be examined by an agency supervisor or in court on the merits. The supervisor or court inadvertently give credence to the worker's misrepresentation may thereby be swayed in favor of the worker's recommendations. If you we're listening, and I believe all you are, then you're probably going, so in other words, they will believe the lies of a CPS social worker over what a child will say, or what the parents say, or what even the schools or doctors say. 
They override the courts many times. As you've seen in Indiana, they do that. And what are we supposed to do? We just gotta sit there and take it. Well, excuse me. I'm not gonna just sit there and take it. I'm actually gonna fight. And as you can tell, um, I'm not exactly quiet in this. I'm actually quite vocal. Government social workers. Uh-oh. Those are words we should never hear. It is an accepted principle that a parent has a constitutionally protected interest in the custody and care of his or her child. Well, that's been argued time and time again. But you know something? CPS doesn't care. Even though the Supreme Court clearly states that you have the right to raise your child any way you see fit. As long as the child is fed, bathed, housed, cared, cared for in a manner that is not abusive in any way, shape, or form. That you know what's best for your child or children. They can't say anything. But as you have found out, that's not how it works. This interest does, does have exceptions, especially when the child may be in immediate or apparent danger. This is when Child Protection Services gets involved. Crucial to every child protection investigation is to establish the facts and circumstances of the case. When these are pre presented to the court at a dependency hearing, the evidence may become proof. Now, how many of you believe that the evidence, there are many times when it's all made up? And many times it is falsified just to take the children for what? What is it, boys and girls? Nothing more and nothing less than those bonuses. Oh, yeah, Miss Digden. $4.7 million. Wow, yeah. Those kids are really being abused. Nah, but let's not talk about the fact that uh, the parental rights were illegally terminated just to get that. The best professional judgment of child protection workers may, in hindsight, be wrong. For this and other reasons, child protection workers usually have some level of immunity from prosecution. Some level... I think you and I, folks, know how much level of protection they do have. When individual government officials are sued for monetary damages, they generally are granted either absolute or qualified immunity. The United States Supreme Court has stated that qualified immunity is the norm, absolute immunity is the exception. Well, we know what they go with. That's absolute immunity. They don't want their precious social workers to be sued. Because maybe those social workers might make a deal. Maybe those social workers might say, Oh, hey, guess what? I can get a better deal. Because 
if I'm being sued and I cut a deal, I'll save my own ass. I mean, after all, that's what they're here for. How much money they can get, what promotions they can get. Now, let's not forget judges, police officers. And let me say this. I'm not saying all of them are bad, but a good majority of them work for them. Should that immunity disappear when, in their official capacities, as child protection workers, they make knowingly inaccurate or false statements which result in the wrongful removal of, of a child? Yes, I have to say that their immunity should be stripped completely. California law provides for public employee immunity from liability for an injury caused by the employee instituting or prosecuting any judicial or administrative proceedings within the scope of their employment, even if he or she acts maliciously and without probable cause. However, a public employee has no such immunity if he or she acted with malice in committing perjury, fabricating evidence, failing to disclose exculpatory evidence, or obtaining evidence by duress. In other words, they'll use any means necessary to take your children. They'll make you lie. They'll make you sign statements. Sign away your parental rights. So you can see your kids. Because after all, they know that you will do just that. Oh, if you... Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Jones or Mr. and Mrs. whatever, if you just sign here, signing away your parental rights, you'll be able to see little Tommy or little Susie. And under their breath, they're going, you know, when the cows fly, when, uh, well, you get the general idea. This is the way CPS works. They always work like this. And why? Well, because they're able to. They're able to get away with it. When we come back, I'll continue with this. And trust me, this episode's going to be like, unlike any other that I've had so far. Because, hold on to your seats. Ride has just begun. And we're back. Well, let's see where this all takes us. Generally, whether an employee is acting within the scope of his or her employment is ordinarily a question of fact to be determined in light of the evidence of the particular case. Some courts hold that immunity for child protective workers exists as long as they act responsibly and the performance of their duties. Now, you know how the courts are going to go. They're going to say that they were acting responsibly in the performance of their duties, even though they may be lying through their square teeth. The immunity applies even when a complaint alleges caseworker misconduct or intentional wrongdoing. 
Others hold that the worker must be involved in a function critical to the judicial process itself. I believe that too. In either case, the more outrageous the employee's alleged tortuous conduct, the less likely it could be described as foreseeable and the less likely the social service agency could be required to assume responsibility for the act as a general risk of doing business. In other words, hey, let's not rock the boat. Whatever the person said, whatever the CPS social worker said, that's got to be the truth. We can't go against this CPS social worker. We got to back our own. Sound very familiar? Now, there are recent cases. Now, remember, this is back in 2009. So, in Doe v. Lebos, L-E-B-B-O-S, the Ninth Circuit held that a social worker was entitled to absolute immunity for allegedly failing to investigate adequately the allegations of, a, of abuse of abuse and neglect against a father and in allegedly fabricating evidence in a child dependency petition because those actions had the requisite connection to the judicial process to be protected by absolute immunity. Listen to what they said. Requisite connection to the judicial process. Remember, they are an administrative agency, not a judicial one. So that is stating that they are trying to be a judicial agency or law enforcement agency, an LEA. In Van Emmerich v. Chemung County Department of Social Services, the court found that child protective caseworkers were entitled to qualified immunity in connection with the removal of a child from the custody of her parents during a child abuse investigation. In the Sixth Circuit and the District of Columbia Circuit, the type of immunity depends on the particular task the worker is doing. Excuse me, it's an investigator or CPS social worker that's administrative. So in other words, they cannot be judicial officers. Or do they want to just reclassify them as law, a law enforcement agency? If that's the case, then send them through the police academy, let them go through all that, let them go through detective school, whatever. But stop calling them an administrative agency when they're trying to be judicial. And grade the pool. The court held that qualified immunity covers social workers acting as investigators while social workers testifying as witnesses are protected by absolute immunity. So in other words, they're police officers. Even though they're an administrative agency that has no judicial authority. That is what I'm getting at. Now, yeah, you're hearing all these because I'm outside. And Rippy, Rippy V. Hadaway, the court ruled that absolute immunity protects social workers who initiate proceedings on behalf of a child. And Austin V. Borrell, the court ruled that child protection workers were not entitled to absolute immunity when they file an allegedly false verified complaint seeking the removal of two children from the family home. 
So at least one case is stating that they are not entitled. That's Austin v. Borrell. I'll spell B-O-R-E-L. Please write this down. It may come in handy if you ever are involved in CPS or if you're currently involved in CPS. Make sure your lawyer knows about this. Now, ethical considerations. Ethics in CPS. There is, of course, a difference between misrepresentation of a piece of physical or verbal evidence and the actual creation of false evidence. Misrepresentation involves the willful giving of a misleading representation of the facts. Creation of false evidence involves the act of improperly causing a fact to exist. More often, critics and attorneys accuse workers of a willingness to misrepresent, selectively quote, and misconstrue information to support their claims and therefore to present an entirely misleading case. Rather than sticking to agency protocols and training the workers sensationalize their documentation and finding in a misleading fashion. One such CPS investigator happens to be a Mrs. Pamela Wisman. She is known time and again to falsify her reports, to mislead her supervisor and the courts that something happened when the truth is nothing did. She has not been reprimanded and she's been hiding under 11th Amendment qualified immunity. DNA and Department of Child Services has not investigated her because after all, they're protecting her own. So, to what extent are such allegations true? Do workers consciously or unconsciously misrepresent evidence and selectively engage in systematic distortion? How often do they may, may make deliberate efforts to mislead, deceive, or confuse their own supervisor or the court in order to promote their own personal or ideological objectives? How frequently are workers omitting or concealing material facts? Under the guise of vigilance, are there child protection workers who ad- adherence to rules and procedures is purposely excessive? Do I even have to answer that? I think you, my li- listeners, actually know the truth. From a social work, legal, or judicial perspective, making a knowingly misrepresentation in a child protection case is a serious ethical breach. Hang on. Sorry, folks. What I was reading fell out of my hand. I do apologize. Okay. Now, the NASW Code of Ethics 4.01c notes that, quote, social workers should base practice on recognized knowledge, including empirically based knowledge relevant to social work and social work ethics. Unquote. At 4.04, the code goes on to state, quote, social workers should not participate in, condone, or be associated with dishonesty, fraud, or deception. Unquote. Dishonesty, 
shading the truth or a lack of candor cannot be tolerated in child protection services, a field of endeavor built upon trust and respect for the law. Hey, Miss Stigdon, did you write this? Whether or not child protection workers deserve immunity from prosecution when they misrepresent or fabricate evidence is a question each state's courts are dealing with. They're still dealing with it to this day. As you, my listeners, have found out, the uh, appellate court in Indiana is really upset at them. So is the Supreme Court. Similarly, each court must decide whether such misconduct warrants setting aside the decision to remove the child from his or her home. In the final analysis, the question might soon find itself before the U.S. Supreme Court. It has been in state Supreme Courts. A worker's misrepresentation or fabrication of evidence is particularly pernicious because it puts the whole field of child protection in a negative light. You think? Whether or not immunity is granted, there is simply no excuse for this kind of willful and egregious conduct. When we come back, I'm going to go over a few of the the, um, replies to this. And trust me, when you hear them, you're going to go. Really? We'll be back. We are back. Okay, these are the actual replies to this. So I'm going to read them word for word. Replies to legal immunity for CPS workers who lie. Sarah Kinder Cook, L-I-C-S-W, www.justchildwelfare.com. I agree that it is an egregious offense when child protection workers misrepresent or falsify information that can lead to a wrongful removal of a child. However, how prevalent is that problem? Are we talking about a handful of instances, or is the problem more widespread? Ms. Cook, I think I can speak on behalf of my listeners who say it's widespread. As someone who works in the field, oh, this explains it, I have never encountered a social worker who is trying to consciously push his or her agenda by lying or creating misleading information. Well, that's only because... The person is lying or misleading because they're probably instructed by their supervisor. Fortunately or unfortunately, the field is made up of imperfect human beings who bring their own life experiences, values, and biases to the work. I thought you weren't supposed to do that. If anything, child welfare agencies need to be more aware of that, accept it, and provide quality supervision so that social workers are not using their own judgments and biases in making decisions about removing children. Well, excuse me, but you did, my listeners, hear what Indiana DCS does. They trust whatever the investigator says. Additionally, Quality supervision would hopefully alleviate any false documentation or misrepresentation of the case. Quality supervision? The supervisor's the one that's telling them to do it. 
Patricia Silverman, December 19, 2016. Now, that Sarah Kinder Cook was from August 6, 2009. Here's something about four years ago. I have Florida Hospital Lake Placid Senior Behavior Care Unit along with Highlands County Sheriffs. And that's it. Well, obviously the rest of it was deleted. I don't know what was said on there. Brass Ovaries, 1. August 6, 2009. 4.47 p.m. I don't think the prevalence matters all that much. Even one instance of misleading information can destroy a client's health and well-being. It can also lead to years of litigation to clear someone's good name. Additionally, false allegations of child abuse were the grounds of a very large class action suit in Illinois. Dupuy, Dupuy, D-U-P-U-I, V. McEwen, M-C-E-W-E-N, where parents, foster parents, nurses, teachers, and other professionals alleged violations of their due process rights. Criminal defense costs and legal representation for administrative hearings can cripple a family financially. <gasps> Mistake, Dan. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I often address her because she's in charge of the Indiana Department of Child Services. Maybe, and maybe later on I'll start addressing, in fact, I know I'll start addressing others who are in charge of their state department of child services or child protective services or whatever they want to call themselves. Okay. In Illinois, a team of reporters looked at violations of the Child Welfare Code of Ethics by tracing reports concerning the preventable deaths of 53 children. This is back in 2009. Wow. The Belleville News Democrat Lethal Lapses series can be found at www.bnd.com backslash 236. Since the journalists started their investigation, even more deaths attributable to poor agencies' practices have occurred and sadly... Illinois DCFS has a poor record of discipline and oversight, according to the Office of Inspector General for DCFS's own annual reports. At worst, the social worker was counseled or put on a few-day suspension. In some cases, the caseworker was promoted. So you promote for bad conduct? Distinctin, is that where you get your, how you uh, rewarded uh, your people? Perhaps all this seems like a small percentage of child welfare cases, but one mistake can have horrible consequences, as all of us know. Sorry, folks. The wind keeps on kicking up. It's like for some reason, I don't think somebody wants me to say anything. One senator in Illinois is proposing legislation to limit the scope of social worker immunity. Poulos, P-O-U-L-O-U-P-O-U-L-O-S, the Lutheran Social Services of Illinois, set a precedent when willful and wanton misconduct negated any statutory immunity. I'm going to say that again. P-O-U-L-O-S, 
the Lutheran Social Services of Illinois. If a social worker acts in bad faith, the basis of social worker immunity is acting in good faith and immunity is not appropriate. There is a second unpublished Illinois appellate court opinion that follows the same line of reasoning. Most of the case law cited in the Professor Pollack's P-O-L-L-A-C-K apostrophe S blog entry was federal, not state court. December 10th, 2009. Anonymous. I'm trying to find a lawyer right now to handle my CPS case and they all say they are too busy for one or for one more case, no matter what the cost. I was raised in foster homes and was beaten so bad by one foster mother she gave herself a gallbladder attack. That was hysterical. I am being accused of neglecting my 16-year-old daughter because she ran away from home and I was unable to drive 2.5 hours away to pick her up and because my couch is broken. Quote, refusing my parental responsibility, unquote. Seriously, that is all they have. But her caseworker lied to the judge a couple of times about giving me a document that he never gave me and they said they called my only relative, which they didn't. Of course, my relative is not able to take her, but they didn't even call him, and they brought up lies from a case 11 years ago. It, it's pretty bad when they actually believe their own lies. The paper from then says, I beat my kids with hangers, and yet there were no marks. Common sense or even physics says if there are no marks, then they weren't beaten by hangers and I was thrown off of welfare and thrown out of my apartment into projects. I worked very hard to get off of welfare and move out of that apartment, but stupid me signed the paper and now it's haunting me. It happens all the time. This is just one of many that is actually stating this. Ah, we have objection. March 6, 2010. Wow, 10 years ago. Very cordial. Hello. Your defense without an attorney, though one public defender should have been awarded to you, is to object to every single lie or untruthful reports when they are spoken in court. They should do that. You have the right to receive all reports as they are written. You must ask for them. Remember, let me say this again, you must ask for them. Without the judge hearing your objections, the matters mentioned by the CPS or Department of Social Services are said true as testified by them. You have the CPS, DSS, assistant attorney, and the guardian ad litem fighting against you. This is their job. Take classes they recommend. However, the more information you give to them, the more they can use against you, including the psychotherapist. Watch out. I'm going to repeat that last sentence again. The more information you give to them, the more they can use against you, including the psychotherapist. Watch out. This is from a person named Objection. Not their real name, of course, but that's from March 
6, 2010. When we come back, I'm going to continue reading from this, and I'll probably go even further than I usually do. We'll be back. We're back. Well, we have a James Schuetz, S-C-H-U-E-T-Z-E, from March 15th, 2010. Now, I'm going to say this right now because this was on a public website. I do not lay claim to this in any way, shape, or form. James says, I have a great case that is currently in the Los Angeles U.S. District Court against Orange County Social Services, E-T-A-L, County of Orange. The story starts where I had already separated from the child's mother, and the minor is removed and taken into custody by WIC SEC 300 petition. I'm one of the lucky few... Because in my request from the juvenile case records, WIC section 827 was more or less given their internal investigative reports as well, which is very different from the truth and not what their court reports reflect. I think the judge who granted was a little upset that they did me the way they did and then was told by their custodian of records that the records no longer exist. What a surprise! They no longer exist. They must kept the records until the minor is an adult in California. I cannot tell you too much about the case because they OC Social Services ETAL promptly ran to the juvenile court and got a protection order. Gag order which actually is a violation of First Amendment civil rights. They had my daughter for seven years for matters I was never any part of, nor did I reside in the home of any of the incidents leading up to the removal of the minor. I did have a previous criminal record for a petty crime, but nothing that would preclude me from a hearing and, at a minimum, temp custody In the end, they had done just about everything they could to keep me from getting custody. You would not believe the hell they put me through if I was allowed to tell you. We can pretty much guess, can't we, folks? I doubt this case will go to trial, but hopefully my relief through the federal court will help to cure the social services, E-T-A-L, from the act of playing judge and jury and be more honest with the court and parents. Well, unfortunately, as you can see, this was back in 2010, and even in 10 years, they haven't done anything because they think that they're above the law. Amy J. Hankins, July 26, 2010. Amen to you, James. Though I have not been gagged yet, when and if is now at stake for me, because two states are involved and I'm a widow of a fallen soldier. I just want my son, no drama, 
he is mine. Miss Hankins, number one, my heart goes out to you. I know it's been 10 years, but I am a veteran of the United States Army. If you are listening to this, if you won your case, please see my documentary, Families Destroyed, and maybe an updated documentary, I can have you on there and you can tell your story. James M. Rinkovich, August 8, 2010. Doe v. Lebos was overturned by the 9th District Court in Block and Beltran v. Santa Clara. I quote from the decision. Now, this is the decision on that. The District Court's error is perfectly understandable as it relied on our incorrect ruling in Doe v. Lebos, which we overruled today. We reverse the district court's ruling that defendants are entitled to absolute immunity and remand for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. So in other words, in Doe v. Lebos, in from James M. Rinkovich, that's August 8, 2010, the district court's ruling was reversed. Now if you want to read more, vlex.com backslash vid backslash Beltran v. Santa Clara County 35423970 Another anonymous from November 9th, 2010 It happens more than you care to admit I don't expect someone in the business to see this In other words you're seeing the things through rose-colored glasses. Here is something you may need to watch. It's on YouTube. Innocence Destroyed. Remember I mentioned that. www.youtube.com backslash user backslash Innocence Destroyed. Please, if you have not seen it yet, there are three parts. But once again, I must, must emphasize if you don't have a strong stomach I would not advise watching it anonymous continues says there is workers on this who speak out but as we know no one dies so they leave as whistleblowers never get help till it is too late remember Nancy Schaefer and Bill Bowen maybe you should look into the Shania Davis case S-H-A-N-I-Y-A Davis case in Fayetteville North Carolina as an example maybe if you take off the glasses and see through clear lenses and really look at the people around you every day at work you will see the truth it would be great if you took this seriously and be voice to change this the children of our communities need you. Anonymous, thank you. Thank you for exposing CPS. You can watch my documentary and you'll see more of the truth. 
Scott from December 31st, 2010. Wow, a lot of 2010. Oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this word for word, and I'm going to put emphasis behind it. Hey, CPS, why don't you do us all a favor and pull your lips over your head and swallow? I'm going to say that again, just in case you did not hear me. Hey, CPS, why don't you do us all a favor and pull your lips over your head and swallow? Unfortunately, they might actually like that, Scott. But hey, I'm glad. Oh, there's more, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go on. It is not about imperfect people only. It is about the organized crime being infiltrated inside the children's agencies. I married one real gangster and child trafficker and murderer, so I should know about it. People knew me so well by the bloody surname I carry and often told me I was lucky to be still alive by then. Well, as an African, I move fast enough, ain't easy to track me down. Now I am away and thanks to the civilized country of the Dutch and I am on a legal battle. And I will publish my story in due time with all the names, big and small, involved in this filthy business between two countries who revealed to me that the mafia to Aaron Boy works for CAS. One honest judge, no more, no less. Knew the guy as a GM worker, not as a gang member. Holy smokes. I will tell you right now, and I probably have said this before, and if I haven't, I know the person who knew the Schaefers. This person has information. I'm not going to mention right now until that person gives me permission. But I will just say, if there was ever a year to come out with it, this is the year. When I come back, I'm going to keep reading these. And I may not get to the next part. I may have to wait until the next episode. But if your jaws are dropping or if you are shocked, I'll just say this much. We have a lot of allies. We'll be back. We are back. Now, I don't know which McMahon this is. It says S. McMahon, M-C-M-A-H-O-N, February 7th, 2011. Just about nine years ago. As to frequency and impact, one might look at the investigation of regional child welfare agencies by a Kentucky solicitor general. Woohoo! We are getting top dogs now. This very intensive investigation, 3,000 hours over the course of about a year, was triggered by local newspaper coverage raising questions about agency practices. Uh-oh, media's getting involved. Bottom line was that although most social workers acted professionally and ethically, 
there were no institutional constraints regarding those who did not. Several were referred for possible prosecution for falsifying records. I believe this ended up going to a grand jury. There were ultimately no indictments, but do not know what other consequences may have applied. How about firing them, arresting them, charging, and convicting them, and putting them in prison for the rest of their lives? The report concluded that agent secrecy, confidentiality, played a significant role in the failure of the system to correct its own failings. The full report was for some time available on the Kentucky State website. The solicitor at one point contacted Richard Wexler, NCCPR, to ask whether the issues were exceptional. Certainly not. Boy, this is just nine years ago. Looks like obviously the press has been told about this. They're investigating. And they can continue to investigate. How about this? How about the federal government, all the way up to the president? Why don't they just close down CPS, reorganize it, open it up again under tight restraints where they are an administrative agency and not a judicial one? But that's just my opinion. PSE 3 from February 26, 2011. Wow, there's... Boy, two from February of 2011. Hello, everyone. I have worked in the child welfare workforce for 15 years. Dishonesty is widespread and rarely addressed. (laughs) CPS social worker actually stating it's widespread and rarely addressed. Unfortunately, due to the population we serve, caseworkers have an unquestionable and almost reverent opinion in court. Many clients are harmed by this bias. This is from a CPS social worker. There is no accountability within the structure of the agency. What a surprise. Once they fabricate their documentation, it is never second-guessed. I play fair, and I am not popular among my supervisors. I wonder why. Because you actually tell the truth. I am sickened with what I hear and see my co-workers do. But there is no whistle to blow. No matter what they have done, they have immunity as individuals, and the agency will never reprimand them since that would indicate there are cracks and liability. It is a lose-lose for everyone. The children, the parents, and the people that play fair. Ladies and gentlemen... I just read you word for word what this child welfare worker has stated. That dishonesty is widespread and rarely addressed. This is from February 26, 2011. For that person, I say thank you. But we have to bring this to everyone's attention. That's why documenting everything is important. From March 26, 2011, from Anonymous. Boy, Anonymous gets around a lot. As a victim of a CPS worker who bragged that he had every right to lie in court of law to trick a judge in signing away my parental rights and that I can 
to my dying breath tell the truth, no one will ever believe or accept the word of a no account and never amount to anything birth father. We have a very big problem, and when we allow such unethical behavior in a court of law, no matter how we rationalize the behavior, we are very wrong. It shows the need to completely rebuild our civil and administrative court system that is within the scope of the U.S. Constitution, as well as the laws that are all expected to follow, not pick and choose. Now, when you watch my documentary, listen to what Anonymous says. As a victim of a CPS worker who bragged that he had every right to lie in a court of law to trick a judge in signing away my, my parental rights and that this part, and that I can, to my dying breath, tell the truth, no one will ever believe or accept the word of a no account and never amount to anything birth father. Apply that to anyone who's gone through the system. And I think you can see how that works. I'm going to end this, and I'll pick this up in the next episode. Denise Whistler, www.wepay.com, backslash donate, backslash five five. Five six one August twenty second two thousand eleven sounds like a uh, one of those pay uh, GoFundMe. Hello, our boy who has autism and is nonverbal has been in a group home now for sixteen months, and the only reason he was taken away from his loving, safe home and caring, loving mother and aunt is because he missed some school two years ago. He has suffered so much pain and misery at this group home, and he can't even speak about it. We are his voice. They have neglected him to the point of him getting a severe infection called cellulitis. If anyone knows what cellulitis is, then you, this next part you'll understand. And that's only one of the many times he's been hurt. Now they won't allow his own mother into the group home to medical appointments, to contact them, to ask how he is, nothing. She still has her parental rights, but the caseworker, magistrate, and even her own lawyer is going right along with this group. Here is our story. Our CPS story shortened. Exploiting Autism for Profit Denver County Juvenile Court Magistrate sided with DDHS caseworker and permanently placed our son-slash-nephew who has nonverbal autism, SID, Sensory Integration Disorder, among other autism-related disorders, into a loud, chaotic, crowded, unloving, unsanitary, an understaffed group home with 10 other boys slash men ranging in age from 18, 8 to 21, simply because he missed some school two years ago. He's been away from his loving home and parents for 15 and a half months, and now permanently placed out of home in a group home who is also drugging him unnecessarily with an antipsychotic drug, Risperdal, that he does not need to be on along with Xanax and Trezodone, Trezodone 300 milligrams. We have one short visit a week 
And that is an unfathomable injustice. He needs to be home permanently. This is an outrage. He belongs at home where he receives the most loving care and affection any child could ever receive, as well as a safe, peaceful home environment where he has all his special needs met, like augmentative speech therapy, for example, as well as his basic needs, where he has his own bedroom and all of his belongings. Currently, he shares a bedroom with four other boys. He's not sleeping well at all. Also, all the things he loves in the world, his TV slash VCR and movies, his catalogs, magazines, books, toys, swing, etc. are unavailable to him there. Please spread the word about this outrageous judgment made by DDHS and the magistrate who in fact did not give us a fair hearing and would not let his own mother speak her side before ruling with the Department of Human Services. This is after we have completed the entire service plan and every court order we've been ordered for the last over three years since they have been in our lives, all because of false allegations, lies, and missing some school. They have all done the most extreme injustice to our family, but especially to our sweet, innocent boy who longs to be home with us. Thank you for your help in advance in getting our boy home where he belongs. Sincerely, Donna and Denise Whistler, for Christopher as we are his voice, please help us get our story out. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to probably have to make another um, episode after this. But I have a son that's autistic, and the state took him. And I will tell you right now, this hits me. What I want all you to do, watch the documentary. But above all, if you can go to www.wepay.com backslash donate backslash 55561. See if that's still going on. I will read in the next episode. I will begin with the Denise Whistler. I believe it's the same one. But I'll read it anyhow. I'll continue with these stories. And I'll let you know what's going on. But I have to tell you. This is inexcusable. But then again, this is, after all, CPS... You're hearing story after story after story. The time to unite is now. The time to do something is now. If these judges are doing this, then we go to the polls. We have less than 30 days. If you haven't registered the vote, register the vote. If you want that local judge out, especially judges that deal with CPS, then by all means, when it says you want says you want to retain XYZ judge to the bench, and you know that what that judge has done, then you do this. You say no. Get that judge off the bench. 
get the prosecutor off the bench if that prosecutor has not been helping you. You find any way you can if you don't like the governor and he has not been helping you and he allows, like in Indiana, Governor Holcomb just padding Miss Stigden, Carrie Stigden, on the back. Job well done, even though parents are being split up. Families are being destroyed and they're making the money and they're adopting the children out. This is the time we do something, not later. Get out, register the vote today online. Just put register the, where can I register the vote online? Google that, register, and then if you're in Indiana, especially South Bend, you can start voting early tomorrow, October the 6th. Sorry, I've read those addresses, those dates. But get out and vote. Tomorrow, and actually the next episode, I will continue with this. And I've got more information for you. Yes, this was an explosive episode. The next one's going to be even more. This is David Shore for Corruption of Child Protective Services. Stay safe. Until next time, keep fighting.